Hi, all y'all podcast listeners. This is Chris and Sarah. Because we just hosted a live event this past Friday night, last night, as we're recording this, in fact, we're taking a break from new episodes of the podcast until next week. Instead, uh, we're just going to reshare one of our favorite episodes from a few years back. This episode features former Shreveporter Kate Archer Kent, whose voice you may recognize or recall from our local public radio station, Red River Radio. Just a heads up, we recorded this episode before we upgraded our recording equipment, and we're currently actually recording in a cabin. So the sound quality for a few parts is a little wonky, but the story is really great. And we're going to jump right into that episode now. I've often marveled at Kate's ability to sound serene and calm when she delivered the news, especially so as I thought about her home life with a busy and highly productive husband, four kids, two of which are twins, Hugo and Alastair, who you met at the beginning of the podcast. We recently visited with Kate about her life and how she finds the space and time to stay sane. I mean, I sometimes want to just run outside and be like, oh, just give me like two minutes or can I just go to the bathroom, please? <laughs> yeah. But like there was this one um, one weekend where it was just really intense and I on Monday morning I took a toenail clipper to work with me because I was hell-bent on trimming my toenails and I could not find the space of time in during the week so after morning edition was done I closed my office door I trimmed my nails and I even filed them a little bit and then I went on with my day and I'm like look if I can't even find time to to do any personal care like trimming my nails that's really ridiculous but it was true I just I couldn't find that few minutes to do it I mean work now is just such a lovely thing because there are no interruptions unless it's a meeting and um, you know you can get so much done because you're not holding two kids at once and you're not trying to the, the whole multitasking thing I mean you just I thought I worked I thought I was very efficient before kids but after I can just get a ton done <laughs> um, at work uh, just by what I've found like to be at home and I remember when uh, I was at a marketing job in, um, this was probably my second real job, and I had, I was hiring a, a staff, and I hired a graphic designer who, during the second interview, she revealed she was the mother of four kids, and it, when she revealed that, certainly I didn't ask it, but there was this trepidation inside of me, I'm like, oh, she's gonna be called away, she's gonna have the sick days where the kids are sick, and then I was like, oh, do I hire this person? And then it triggered my mind, like, wait a minute, I have this prejudice inside of me. And now that I'm a mother of four kids, I think back to that time very vividly, and I think, wow, now I'm the one who I think I see some prejudices out there that if you are, I get these, you know, these comments, um, even from, uh, you know, my current colleagues saying, well, of course you forgot about that because look at what you have at home. And I hate those comments. I, I really, because that is, that is a prejudice. It's, it, you shouldn't, you know, you should be able, and, and at the same time, yeah, there has to be give and take in family and in job, but you shouldn't say to someone, well, you know, you've got mommy brain. Well, okay, fine, you know. <laughs> About a year ago, Kate gave a sermon at All Souls Unitarian Church here in Shreveport. The topic of that sermon was finding balance in work, life, and motherhood. Her sermon received a standing ovation from the congregation. 
On this episode of the All Y'all Podcast, Kate Archer-Kent reads that sermon, which we're calling Keep Your Hands on the Rope. Before we listen to Kate's sermon, we want to thank a few members of the All Y'all family. This episode, like every All Y'all Podcast episode and live event, is brought to you by our season sponsor, Holiday Lanes. If you've been looking for something fun to do with your wild and crazy kids, check out their website, bullholidaylanes.com, or follow them on Twitter at holiday underscore lanes. We're also sponsored by Maxcentric, which is the only locally owned Apple premium service provider in the whole city. The premium part means that if something's wrong with your Mac or your iPhone or your iPad, you're going to get the very highest quality of service available, and that's certified by Mac. So check them out at maccentric.net. Again, that's maccentric.net. Without further ado, here's Kate Archer-Kent. So here we are in the waning days of summer, and it's family time. It's the big juggling act for families like mine. These are my numbers. I have four kids, age five and under, and 11 weeks to come up with a patchwork of camps and caregivers that will ensure Alex and I can meet our work commitments each day. My one-year-old twins have been at home and in summer camp. On Fridays, I broke the news to Alex that we're gonna do the do si with our work schedules so that we won't need a sitter for the twins to save money. I'd say we're a pretty typical American family where both work, parents work full-time, and I'm beginning to see why summers are filled with consternation, not relaxation. I know we're not alone in feeling so much tension as a couple where both parents work outside the home, We try equally to give each other a fair shot at delivering productive, uninterrupted work hours to our employers. But then the kids rotate through the stomach bug, so we park them in bean bags on the living room floor in front of their favorite PBS programs. They are a blob floating in a sea of toys. I feel guilt that the TV babysits. One of us sits nearby, tethered to a phone or to a laptop. Then there was the moment I set the twins in their cribs while I stole away to my closet to do a four-minute interview with someone over the phone. Researchers have proof that multitasking is not productive, but without it, I'm afraid I wouldn't have a prayer in getting through the day. We'd run out of toilet paper. The kids would eat cereal for dinner, again. I multitask from the moment my day begins at 4.03 a.m. It feels like I ping-pong between work and family 24-7. Alex sent a text to my neighbor friend who loves to drop by with servings of Indian dishes like dal. Stay away. Our house is contaminated. You will get sick. We gave each other high fives as we squeegeed up our then three-year-old Oliver's barf. We were so pleased to clean up the hardwood floors we had installed two days before the twins were born last year. We figured those floors just saved us two grand because Oliver's stomach bug would have forced us to pull up all the carpet. Yes, these are first world problems. The insights and experiences in my life pale in comparison to the pioneer women who have come before me. So I dedicate this talk to my maternal grandmother, Matilda Wieland, who would be 103 today. A German immigrant, she toiled on the Great Plains of North Dakota, giving birth to 13 children on the farm that is still in production today. She lost her husband in a farm accident when her oldest was 26 and her youngest was five. As women's roles were in the day at the death of my grandfather, she had to learn how to drive, how to balance a checkbook, and how to be a shrewd businesswoman. Running a family farm is, after all, a business. Her chores at home never stopped, even though she had to take on farming duties and make sure the combine and tractors were in working order for the men to take in the crops. 
Her days were regimented. Monday was for washing, Tuesday was for ironing, Wednesday was for darning, Thursday was for baking, Friday was for cleaning, Saturday was for taking baths and cleaning up the kids for Sunday church. Sunday was a day for rest. She washed the kitchen floor every day on her knees. I like to do it that way too, and I think of her. One year in a blinding snowstorm, she tied a rope from the farmhouse to the barn so she wouldn't lose her way in the whiteout conditions when she went to feed the animals. My mother, Rose, attended a one-room schoolhouse. If you think my relatives came from a little house on the prairie, you're not too far off. My grandmother had no idea she would have twins. That is, until she delivered my uncles Herman and Roman, who have all since passed away. I learned I would have twin boys at the very first OB visit. Two blurry dots on the ultrasound screen, 100% conclusive. When I think about the luxuries I have in my life, drive-through pharmacy, ready-made meals, and a modern home with programmable washer, dryer, and dishwasher, I stop myself and remember that I have distinct advantages. My hands are not calloused. There are women who have come before me and who toil today all over the world who are much stronger than I could ever be. I dedicate this to them. I wish I could ask my grandmother what she did when she felt overwhelmed. The journalist and me would love to land that sit-down interview. Did she cry? Was she afraid of running out of money? Did she fight with my grandfather? He wasn't expected to wash clothes by hand or feed all the hungry mouths every meal, every day, no relief. While women's lives have changed over the centuries, there are challenges today that are real and valid. Women are in a predicament. But it's really families in America that are in a state of flux. Demands on them are crushing, and American families are running in crisis mode. We have among the highest percentage of working mothers of any country, but the number of mothers in the workplace has dipped. This despite increasing numbers of women graduating from college and getting master's and doctoral degrees. Social scientists don't really know what to make of it. They're calling it a stalled gender revolution. I think it's American companies that are putting women in park. American firms are notorious for having the most family-unfriendly policies of the developed world. Promotions go to employees who emulate the ideal worker, who can be the first in the door and the last to leave. The U.S. is the only first world economy that does not guarantee workers paid time off. But an aha moment recently, the U.S. Navy said it's tripling its maternity leave from six weeks to 18 weeks, matching Google's. Navy said its cost to its bottom line, zero. Impact on these military families, priceless. Bridget Schulte writes in her book, Overwhelmed, what's really happening is that work hours and leisure time in America are dividing. If you have an education and a high-paying career, chances are you're working an insanely high number of hours and have little leisure time. Nearly 40% of American men and 20% of American women with college degrees report putting in more than 50 hours a week on the job, as do an astounding 32% of professional single mothers. Sheryl Sandberg, Facebook Chief Operating Officer, told us all to lean in to our careers in her 2013 book by the same name. She did this while saying she heads home every night at 5.30 for dinner with her family. People cheered and booed. Forbes estimates her current net worth is over $1 billion. I say, look, Cheryl, women have been leaning in for centuries, but the circumstances women face are all so different. 
the playing field is vastly different for someone like you than it is for a mother in Faraday, Louisiana, who earns $7.25 an hour at a family dollar and has a nine-year-old son to support and no spouse. Not every woman has the luxury like you to lean in. Every resource is at your disposal. Anne-Marie Slaughter, the president of the New America Foundation, wrote a mind-blowing article in The Atlantic a couple years ago titled, Why Women Can't Have It All, meaning a rich, fruitful career and a happy family home life. When it came out, I read this article over and over. She concluded, unless you make it possible for women to balance work and family with novel family-friendly workplace policies and with leadership that embraces and practices these policies, you're going to lose a huge chunk of talent, and that's not smart for business nor society. When Stanford molecular biologist Carol Greider got the news that she'd won the Nobel Prize in medicine, she was doing laundry. Her employer cringed and changed. Stanford designed a program whereby faculty can now bank the unpaid time they serve on university committees and trade it in for ready-made organic meals delivered to their homes, yard work services, and house cleaning. There's a growing body of research on time and how we spend it, how women spend it in particular. It's finding that women are living very fragmented lives. They can't focus on one thing. There is a never-ending to-do list with work and family obligations, from buying diapers to caring for elderly parents. It's falling on the backs of women while she still works full-time at marginal pay to a man. To me, the bright spot is that these time research studies have found working moms like me today spend as much time taking care of their children as stay-at-home mothers did in the 1960s when those mothers were called professional homemakers. Even with a fabulous equal partner, it's not enough. We need work environments that encourage, quote, time shifting, as researchers call it, allowing women and men an ability to just adjust their work schedules in a day so they can be at their child's soccer game but still have a report done on time. I visited with my cousin Heather about work-life balance. She's an Amazon executive. She runs the Amazon mom division and has two young boys. She said she outsources every detail in her life if it means she can spend a few more minutes of quality time with her kids. For both pregnancies, she took Amazon's full paid maternity leave five months. By US standards, that's almost unheard of. When she returned after her second child, she moved to a new job and was promoted. This is rare. More often you hear of the sickening discrimination lawsuits. My cousin Mark complained about growing bored when he was on Microsoft's three-month paternity leave for the birth of his daughter. I was furious. Didn't he see those three months afforded his family to travel to Malaysia where his wife's family could meet the new baby? Many new dads get a few days, a week or two, if they're lucky enough to get the pay time off at all. We wonder how we could make our community, Shreveport Bossier, more attractive, to stand out, to make it the next great city of the South. I know. We enact bold policies that would encourage businesses here to make worker environments less toxic and more family-oriented. We grow a family-friendly city, and that is attractive. The first day back to work after my twins, I did interviews on a story about Bentler Steel, a company headquartered in Austria that's opening a $900 million steel plant just down the road. At the table with me was a young, single Bentler attorney. She shook her head, Mutterschutz, having parental leave and job protection. It allows women 14 weeks of leave after having a baby with 100% of her wages intact. 
But the Bentler HR director at the table, an Alabama native, shrugged and said she had to return to work right away after her kids were born in the 1990s. She didn't see the need. Let's get advice from Bentler Steel because they operate in two vastly different worlds when it comes to supporting their working families. With Capitol Hill's divisive hostile climate, I doubt we'll see comprehensive reform in universal childcare, mandatory paid leave, or any other policies that would give women and families some breathing room, although there is some positive movement on overtime for salaried workers. It's going to take small incremental steps, and I tell myself all the time, just inch it. I think my grandmother's rope between the farmhouse and the barn is a perfect metaphor for where women are today. There are issues raging all around her, wage discrimination, childcare, part-time versus full-time work, unequal division of housework with her spouse. But if she can just keep her hands on the rope and inch it, maybe we as a country, we will reach the barn one day where our American companies give women trust, respect, and the corner office, even if they are doing the corner office work while nursing their infant in a living room with toys strewn about. Quality work can be done this way. Our world is entirely connected through technology. Use it wisely and reap the rewards. When my grandmother passed away from breast cancer that had metastasized to her bones, I could not attend her funeral. I was in Washington on an unpaid internship at ABC News Nightline. It was the summer of 1995, and I was shadowing a correspondent named Koki Roberts as she investigated Dow Corning and its silicone gel breast implants. Women were getting sick and they sued, big time. It became the largest class action lawsuit in history, bankrupting Dow Corning until the early 2000s. Koki Roberts, our daughter of Louisiana, who has made us so proud, she couldn't get to the truth of the matter. I don't think women have all the answers, men don't either, but it is time the U.S. is serious about bringing about changes that will help families live better lives. They're working hard, they're working overtime to stay afloat, Sometimes they get paid for it, sometimes not. We don't live in conflict, war-torn cities, thank heavens. We have the luxury to design first world solutions that will make this country a better place, that will make Shreveport a better place to live. When I have a free moment to myself, I'm paralyzed. I don't know what to do, but I try to quiet the to-do list chatter in my head that's like the CNN ticker. I think of a few lines in this poem. A friend of mine sent it to me not long after my 12 weeks were up with the twins and I headed back to work. I have a tape to the side of my computer, Advice to Myself by Louise Erdrich. Leave the dishes, let the celery rot in the bottom drawer of the refrigerator and an earthen scum harden on the kitchen floor. Leave the black crumbs in the bottom of the toaster. Throw the cracked bowl out and don't patch the cup. Don't patch anything, don't mend, buy safety pins. Don't even sew on a button. Let the wind have its way, then the earth that invades as dust and then the dead foaming up in gray rolls underneath the couch. Talk to them, tell them they are welcome. Don't keep all the pieces of the puzzle or the doll's tiny shoes and pairs. Don't worry who uses whose toothbrush or if anything matches at all. Accept one word to another or a thought. Pursue the authentic. Decide first what is authentic, then go after it with all your heart. Your heart, that place you don't even think about of cleaning out. That closet stuffed with savage mementos. 
don't sort the paper clips from screws from saved baby teeth or worry if we're all eating cereal for dinner again. Don't answer the telephone ever or weep over anything at all that breaks. Pink molds will grow within those sealed cartons in the refrigerator. Accept new forms of life and talk to the dead who drift in through the screened windows, who collect patiently on tops of food jars and books. Recycle the mail. Don't read it. Don't read anything except what destroys the insulation between yourself and your experience, or what pulls down, or what strikes at, or what shatters this ruse you call necessity. Thank you.